You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 266 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I've got a glass of rosé. Good. And because, um, you know, I've had, a, oh, I've had a big week. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it's wine o'clock as yeah. we record this podcast. Well, yeah. We I, don't really drink that often. While no, no. <laughs> but people who tune into the podcast have like highlighted <laughs> certain episodes where we have. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I've had we'll a big have to week do it too. For 300. And, um, uh, I've been doing some researching and it's taken me to stock libraries and, um, I, you know, I know people like to look at good stuff as stress relief and you go down these rabbit holes, but I have been <laughs> okay. looking at stock footage and um, on uh, well, like what for? stock like for, websites. For stress for release re- or just for a purpose? Research for a job that I'm doing and, and then okay. I found a dog and cat video uh, that I had to share, and I put a link um, in the show notes from a stock library, and it is the most gorgeous video, Val. If you have a look at it, have a look at that link. I'm and looking I, at it now, and it's so cute. You can describe it to the listeners. Oh, my goodness. So it's basically a dog and a cat, and the dog is in love with the cat, and the cat's just lying there, but the dog is, you know, got um, is resting his head on her I'm just giving them genders uh her her neck and it's just pure love but the thing is when you go to this website and we'll put the link in the show notes so it's um the footage section of Shutterstock there are so many other oh my god cute videos I am like of puppies and kittens and I can just see myself spending for ever on this site because it's adorable oh my god look at this I just clicked on one then this this kitten hugging this puppy and then turning around and looking at the camera (laughs) oh my god this is just the cutest site ever so yes I can see how you can go down a very very long rabbit hole simply by looking at um, these stock video sites on on cute pets. Oh, my God, the kitten just yawned. It's so cute. So the thing about these videos is not only are they entertaining and super cute, but as a a photographer who's coming up through the ranks and you want to see good quality um, footage or good quality images, you can see that there is a theme throughout the images, the ones that stop the scroll, and it's not just – cuteness but the way that they're composed and the the, mm. the way that they're shot and if you look at these uh, videos and images the thing that they all have in common is the simplicity 
There's nothing in the background. There's no guff. Often it's just a clean uh, white background or it might be, uh, uh, you know, the, the background's out of focus. But the definitely the hero in all the shots is what they're photographing and then, then there's no question as to what the footage or the image is about. And so can, if you ever – sorry, go ahead. No, can I just say that the thing that they all have in common is cats. <laughs> no, cats well, that's in that category, but you can pretty much go to a stock library and Google anything. You could Google, you know, um, office, someone in an office or some, you know. And so think about this when you're taking photos and if you ever want inspiration, then go to a stock library and have a look at the images that, you know, are, are being um, you know, downloaded uh, often and, you know, and uh, you can see that, that that's the common theme, the simplicity, and that it's going to give you some ideas because often as photographers we get ideas of something that we want to photograph but we overcomplicate them. Like you'll overstyle and have too much going on in the background mm. and while you might have a great idea, it's diluted by too many factors in the image. And so, you know, this is something that I want to talk about in uh, today's episode you know, there are a lot of little things that you can do to make your images better that don't depend on the gear that you use. Little things like, you know, just keeping that background, you know, clean and simple. So, um, yeah, the reason I wanted to share that is just it's a good, good um, site to look at just to get ideas. Oh, I can't stop looking. The I know. I just like, it's now so I know cute. exactly what oh you're going to do. Goodness. It is, it is the, 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 and the oh quality is so good and, and the animals it are beautiful so and it is. And it, can I just say, if you happen to have access to a kitten or a puppy, yes. shoot some video yes. and upload it to this site and you'll make lots of money. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, and if you happen to uh, be the proud owner of, uh, say, um, a dog and a cat that happen to be friends, then, you know, set mm. them up and just put them on a, you know, a plain, you know, white background, white bed, no props and just wait for them to do something cute and yeah. film it and you would be amazed at where this sort of stuff can take you and it's not that hard to to film or or take images and do both and remember that if you're covering off that sort of stock photography do vertical do horizontal do you know um, put the put the images on the right of the frame put the images on the left of the frame leave space at the top think about the the user experience and what the end result might be and the, and think about things like there might be text that goes over the top you know think about where would it be used and and that's you know going to lead you to the importance of having those super clean backgrounds it's a really good learning tool just going to a stock library so it's sort of tip oh i'd share God, with you at I the just start she's just like all right switch it off now val so just cute, bookmark so it and uh that can be oh your entertainment for tonight <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to drag myself away yes. from that link and we'll put the link in the show notes. And we want to give a big shout-out to Ben Duck from Canada who kindly left us a five-star rating on iTunes and entitled it The Best Photography Podcast. And Ben Duck from Canada said, Over the last few years I've listened to lots of various photography podcasts, but there are none better than this podcast. Not only is the information great and well presented, but Gina and Valerie are always entertaining and often make me laugh. 
Also loving the new Aussie slang at the end of the episodes. It's perfect for bugging my kids. Oh, that's <laughs> Thank fantastic. You. Thank you so much, Ben Duck from Canada. Really appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you for taking the time to write that review. And, of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. Now, let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to take better images without upgrading your gear. Now, I can't imagine anyone who this would not be relevant to, Gina, because we all want to take better images. And ideally, if we're, you know, we don't want to upgrade our gear, of course, if we've got lots of cash to splash, that's great. Lucky, lucky, lucky you, whoever you are. But um, otherwise, we could all do with this advice, how to take better images without upgrading your gear. So where do we start, Gina? All right. So uh, the thing that uh, one of the first questions I get from a new photographer is what's the best camera for taking good images or what lighting should I use? And everyone is so Mm. fixated on the gear. And my answer is always the same. It's focus on the technique, not the gear. So the best camera is the one that you're going to use every day. And like, I'll put it this way. So Let's say um, Michael Schumacher, like, you know, probably the best F1 Formula One driver in history, Mm -hmm. right? If he and I Mm -hmm. were to have a race and I got to drive his Ferrari and I gave him my first car, which was a 1981 Toyota Corolla, BBH 893, that was the number plate. I can still remember it. (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of that car because I saved up. I I had my first part-time job when I was 15 and I saved uh, from the $3.33 an hour that I got for my first job. I can still remember the paychecks, $15 every Saturday, saved up, bought my first car. So Michael Schumacher's in the – That's so weird because do you know that song – I, I can't actually say the words. Do you know Do you know Aquafina? Yes. <laughs> what song are you going to talk about, Valerie? You can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, you, you guys can look it up because I'm not allowed to say these words on the podcast. But Aquafina is a, an American rapper and um, – she is actually in Crazy Rich Asians and also another movie that's out at the moment. And um, she was in Ocean's 8 as well. Anyway, she has this song which is about a certain part of your anatomy. And um, <laughs> it's um, – I'm not going to say the no. word – because maybe I'll say a replacement word. Keep What's digging, a good replacement keep word? Keep digging. I'm stepping right <laughs> away from this one. I'll just leave this. I'll just step out. Valerie, the floor is yours. You go. <laughs> I'll just say beep. So there's this song and she goes, my beep, chrome range, chrome range rover, your beach hatchback, 81 Toyota. And that's what you had, an 81 Toyota. There you go, Toyota Corolla. That was my first car. So um, That means back, my, back, my beep is better than your beep. <laughs> back, back to the topic <laughs> because at Because you had the Valerie. 81 Toyota. Yeah, good car, <laughs> good car. So okay. um, Schumacher's driving the Toyota Corolla. I've got the Ferrari right? And we're going to have a race. So who do you think would win? Um, 
the Ferrari? Not so much. The Toyota Corolla is going to win Schumacher because okay. he's a master at driving and he spent years oh, learning okay. how to drive sure. and All he right. knows how to drive fast. I know how to drive. I could probably get the car, you know. I'd be looking at this Ferrari and this is what happens when um, – People buy the top of the line camera. It's like it's like having a Ferrari parked in your driveway, but only ever driving it in first gear. Because people will buy the the Ferrari of cameras and just leave it in auto and not really know what all the buttons do. But you know, Schumacher could take my Corolla. He knows how to take the corners. He knows how to you know drive really fast and I'm still too scared to get out of first or second gear. So, you know, if you if you focus on mastering technique, then it doesn't matter what camera you use. And even if that is just a uh, phone camera, and if you've got that and you are taking photos every day, that's still going to be better than having all the best gear and only ever using it you know, two or three times a year when you can get yourself to a workshop because, you know, it's the things that you do mm. every day consistently that are going to make yeah. you better as a photographer rather than doing like big spurts, like a full day of activity and then putting it away and not doing it again. So it's like you, any camera is better than having the top of the line if you're using it every day. So focus on learning the technique and, you know, focus on, learning to see the daylight, you know, learning to use your camera, learning about composition, invest in the technique rather than the gear and you're going to be a much better photographer in the long run. There's a lot you can do with basic entry-level gear as opposed to having the best of everything and not knowing how to use it. So just even if you can spend 15 to 30 minutes every day photographing something, do a, you know, a 365 project where you take a photo every day. The more you look for images, the more you're going to see and you're training your mind to always be looking for the light, looking for the image, looking for the composition. You've just got to train that muscle memory. That's going to make you a much better photographer than, you know, just worrying about all the bits and pieces that really in the end don't really help you. Mm, mm. Yeah, okay, I get your point. Yeah. All right, so next, Val, uh, the next thing mm -hmm. you need to do is definitely get off auto. Yes, and I have to say that Gina said that for a long time and it took me a while. I believed her, but it took me a while to actually then do that and um, and it makes such a huge difference when you understand how to get off auto and then you have the confidence to shoot not in auto not just in you know aperture priority not just in shutter speed priority but actually in manual mode and the thing that helped me get off auto no joke is actually Gina's course you know get off auto and master manual mode forever and I am so grateful that I did that course with Gina because it everything just clicked I understood it I understood why Gina said to get off auto I understood why it would be more useful, you know, and I thought I'd, I went kind of like the half pregnant way where I just did the aperture priority or, or the shutter what? speed priority. The half and I, pregnant? What's that? Yeah, you know. Well, because I was you only be doing. Half pregnant? <laughs> well, that's my point. Anyway, so 
I was, but I didn't go, you know, the whole way where I was on fully manual mode. And you learn so much about how your camera operates, how um, how everything works together, um, and you end up with with better shots because you have a much better understanding of how it all works from a technical point of view. And it's actually not that hard. It just seems a lot harder than it is because when you don't know what you're doing. You shoot and the results aren't great. But when I did Genius Course, Get Off Auto, um, which I think everyone in the Gold community gets as part of the the package, mm. but you can obviously but just buy it separately from Gina's website at ginamilitia.com. But if um, when I did it, it was it just the pennies dro- dropped, you know, the, the light bulbs came on, whatever cliche it is that works for you. <laughs> it, um, I was like, oh, I get it now. So, um, sorry, I just took over. That's all right. <laughs> but you, you, you know, but I think, yeah, Get Off Auto is a great piece of advice because it makes such a difference to your photography. So, you know, I love to use analogies and I look at it this way. Mm. So, you know, um, let's say that you like cupcakes, right? Um, and, I do uh, like cupcakes, uh, but only certain kind. No, I don't like red velvet. So let's say that you do like red velvet cupcakes with mm. the um, cream cheese icing um, yeah. Amazing! You can actually you like I don't go like to the supermarket and you can get a cake in a box, basically. So all the dry mm. ingredients are there in the box, and yeah. all you've got to do is pour it into a bowl, add water, and you've got red velvet cupcakes that are going to be the same red velvet cupcakes. If you follow the you know the directions on the box, you're going to get yep. consistent same red velvet cupcakes every time. Mm. So easy. And that's the same with uh, shooting on auto. You know, the camera's set up that you can um, pick up the camera, put it on auto, find the scene. Say you've got a landscape of a river coming down a mountain. You've got trees over the side. You go, great, I'm going to take a photo of that. Click or do it with your phone. On auto, you are going to take a photo that is like making a cake out of a box. It's going to be the same as everyone else who is um, pointing a camera at a location using the auto settings. It's going to be generic, just like the red velvet cupcakes. Everyone's going to have the same shot. When you shoot in manual mode, you have the ability to override the camera's um, basic settings and you can take a photo of what that scene felt like. And that's, I hear that a lot when someone was like, um, you know, when people get back from holiday and they show you their photos and they're going, oh my God, this was amazing. The photos don't do it justice, but you know, there was like mist and the light was amazing. You can't see it in the photos, Mm, but just take my word for it. So (laughs) when you understand how shutter speed works, what aperture does to an image and, you know, just controlling ISO, suddenly you can reinterpret a scene any way you like and so if you want to capture the dark moodiness of the mountains and you want to show the movement in the water you can Mm. slow the shutter speed down to show the movement you can change the the f-stop you can shoot just for the highlights and get this moody beautiful black and white image or you can shoot for the shadows and open it up and get this bright and airy feel to the image and you can create the image that is more of a representation of how you felt when you took that shot. And the importance of that is, you know, the images that you take, if you want to 
stop the scroll. We, we talk about stopping the scroll a lot, but there are millions, billions of photos shared every day by people on social media. And often they all look the same, Val. And you, you, you go, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, seen that, seen that, seen that. And then every now and then one just comes along that you go, oh my God, that's amazing. Why? Is it the composition? Not necessarily. It's often because you feel something when you look at that image. And that comes down to the way that that particular photographer has interpreted the scene. And, you know, the best photographers in the world shoot manual mode because they can capture that moment, how it made them feel, and obviously share that with the world, and then you get a better reaction. So definitely, and this does nothing to do with upgrading your gear, whatever, even an entry-level camera, you can set it on manual mode and start manipulating the light and making it work for you and taking more meaningful and authentic portraits rather than just taking photocopies of the scene in front of you, which is basically what you're doing when you're shooting in auto. You're just picking up the camera and taking a photocopy. Nothing nothing creative about it, really. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. Makes sense. I, I love that idea of you need to capture what it feels like. Exactly. All right. The next important thing that you need to do um, to upgrade your photos, Val, is to really start looking at and noticing light and learning Mm. the difference between good light and bad light is an absolute game changer. So when you're first starting out, all light's the same, right? You just think it's like when you listen to music, you you miss the subtle little differences unless you're studying music and um, if you're learning about you can actually play music and I'm sure Valerie when you were that little girl at your fancy private school learning what the the piano and what else did you learn the viola violin oh, lots of things probably flute, flute. <laughs> this mm-hmm. one time at band camp no um, <laughs> um you when you hear, uh, because I know my son's studying music and he will hear a song and I, I will hear it and I go, yeah, that was lovely. He's like, no, that bit where there was the change from there to there, that's amazing. And I'm like, I didn't even mm-hmm. hear it because my ear is not trained to hear those subtle differences because obviously mm-hmm. I haven't studied music. I studied at my school. We studied stuff to do behind the shelter shed and how to deal (laughs) swap cards and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was quite a different Mm -hmm. education. Light is the same, Valerie. So at first it all looks the same, but there are so many subtle differences and learning to really understand and appreciate good light and learning um, how to find beautiful light such a game changer and even knowing what direction to face your model to maximize the light and you can just by changing the direction that you place your model you can either create moody lighting or you can create beautiful flat even lighting beauty lighting character lighting and that's just learning daylight and so I think Mm. what photographers um, do a little bit too quickly, in my opinion, is because there is so much information out there that everyone thinks, okay, I'm a photographer now, let's skip this daylight bit and let's go straight to lighting with flash and not just one flash, let's do five because like, let's just be a studio photographer, but you've missed the, the, the first crucial step because if you can understand 
daylight properly and how it works, then what you want to be doing when you're adding flash is learning how to recreate how daylight um, lights an image naturally. You want to recreate that and then your flash lit shots are going to look quite natural as well. And and um, the sign of a, a beautifully lit shot is you should be able to tell it's lit. You should be able to look at that shot and be, oh, is that... Um, window light. I'm not sure how that was lit because it's so soft and it just looks like it belongs there. Does that make sense, Val? That it looks yeah, natural. If you sense. can see the light, mm. you know it's lit, then it, it's not great lighting. So learning and appreciating natural light is is definitely a game changer. And so how you can apply this to your everyday life is just when you go into any new environment. So nighttime, daytime, and if you're at work and you go into a cafe, then have a look at how the light is flooding the room. And then the, what I tell my mm. students to do is like when you're sitting there opposite someone, have a look at the catch lights in their eyes, have a look at how the light is um you know, lighting their face. Is it lighting it well or is it harsh lighting? You know, what's it like when you've got someone outside in full sun? What's it like when you bring them into open shade? What does dappled light look like? And just experiment. And even if you don't want to work with people, then get the styrofoam head, $5 from an art supply shop, give it a name and take it with you. Uh, and uh, just spend a day when you've got harsh light, having a look at how, how, how they look under full sunlight. What does it look like when you scrim that by putting a diffuser over the, the, the model's head or, or placing them in shade? How does it all work? And really spend the time to uh, learn how to manipulate daylight and find the good little pockets of light. And the great photographers, you can put them anywhere in any location and they're able to find, they just know where the good light is straight away. And if you want to continue to work as a photographer, you're not going to get days and days and days to plan for shoots. You need to be able to um, work out how to find good light in in, in rainy days, in overcast mm. days, full sun, every kind of scenario. And then once you've worked that out, then you can know that, okay, the light is completely kaka. Oh, by the way, I've trained um, Alexa yes. to say the light is kaka today. Oh, she my God. It entertains me no end because you can oh. actually train her to read off a shopping list. Oh. The things I've okay. made her say. Um, I could oh. get her to, um, you know that song that you love? Yeah. I'm going to get Alexa to <laughs> get Alexa to say it for you, and I'll send it. My so, beep from Range Rover, your beep hatchback, eighty-one Toyota. <laughs> so you get Alexa to say that. Go on. I will. I will, and I'll send it to you. Um, Go on. So train yourself to recognize good light and experiment because that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life and it's going to make a huge difference to your photography. And again, this is something that you can do with your phone. Uh, so if you don't want to be lugging your camera around, just when you see good pockets of light, take photos, have a look. How does this look? And would this be, is this contrasty light better for black and white or is it better for color? And all of these are so important because it goes in levels and levels and levels. Once you think you've found good light, you can further take that to the next level and go, well, how can I make this better? So such an important game changer is because not all light is 
created equal and it it is the first thing that people recognize in a shot and everyone seems One thing to- that I think is a really good idea is apart from recognizing the light in a situation that you're in is look at photos of good photographers. So for example, look at Gina's Instagram and try and think to yourself how did she like that? Mm. So, because sometimes you're not always in a situation or you're in the same office every day. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you can't, you don't get that much different light, especially if it's all fluoro lit or whatever. Mm. So, if you're not in a situation where you can, you have lots of opportunities to be in different lighting situations, look at a good photographer's photos and figure out for yourself how they lit it. And that's something that is very, very useful as well. Yeah, and going back to the uh, the puppy and kitten image that I shared Aww. with you at the start of the show, um, again, it comes down to simplicity. And so most people will um, look at the location first, and I see this all the time. It's like, I found this amazing location. I put people in front of it. I took a photo, and they don't think about where the light is. So they're, they're so um, distracted by the beautiful location that in the end, the location takes over the shot and the person is kind of secondary. And so those beautiful uh, puppy and kitten videos, the thing that they all have in common is they're all photographed in beautiful light and the location actually doesn't matter. It's not important. It doesn't matter where it was shot because if you've got beautiful light, you've got a beautiful image. Yeah, great. All right. What else apart from master light okay uh this is so important and um hard to do at first and there are ways to to get around this is pre-visualizing your image so imagining in your mind's eye pre-planning the image and it's so i've got a quote but it's been a while since we've had a quote yes (laughs) (laughs) don't be so listen you've bagged me about my quotes right Mm-hmm. For so long, and what do you go and do? You put out what? What have you put out? Your journals. What's at the bottom of every page in your um, your artist journals <laughs> that you're selling, Val? What's at the bottom of every page? You want to tell everyone what you've put at the bottom of every page of the journal, and mm-hmm. it is an important selling point to your journals. What? Yep. What was that? Good what? quotes. Mm. What? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that you haven't um, you haven't lifted a few of mine and put them into the into the into the journal there, Val? There's nothing that no. uh, I've maybe shared with you. So don't be bagging my quotes. Quotes are great. Um, Go on. So my quote: Every once in a while, a br- blind squirrel finds an acorn. Great quote. You're going to put that in your next journal? No. I don't know what it means. Uh, so basically, uh, if you walk around with a camera in your hand every day, you're bound to get lucky at some point. So the photography gods, two, three, four times in your life, are going to give you that moment where everything aligns and you just happen to walk around the corner and light, location, everything is spot on and you'll get a great shot, okay? The other way that you can do is you can find, you know, get a model, put them somewhere and just shoot, spray and pray until you get a good shot. So if you take a couple of thousand frames, one of those will be good just by law of averages. But the best photographers in the world 
pre-plan their images. They scout the locations. They look for the best light and then they make a decision as to the decisive moment and that they will plan everything. And they've got an image in their mind's eye of how they want the image to look. And so when I'm walking around looking at locations, I can actually uh, change how the image looks in my head to the way that I want it to be in the photo. So if I'm looking at an image and often it confuses my clients because I'll be wandering around at the back of um, a supermarket and I'll go, okay, here, here's the location. And of course, the client's looking at the location going, this is really ugly. And I'm like, no, 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 stay with me. I have a vision for this. And I'm like, I'm taking this section. We're going to use this light. This is the vibe I'm going for. I'm going to make it dark and moody. And this is what the shot is going to look like. So pre-planning how you want, what's the vibe you're going for? What's the expression you want on the face? You know, think about the, the wardrobe that people are going to be wearing and then look for the good light over over the location and and pre-visualize your shot. And if it's street photography, it might be a matter of you find the great, great location, but you know that it needs someone, a supportive person to be walking through the frame to make the image work. So you find the location and then you wait for the uh, the actor to appear on, on, on the stage. Does that make sense? So yep. pre-plan, pre-visualize the shot. You know, it's like with writing. If you just um, spew out a whole lot of words on a page, it doesn't really make much sense. But if you pre-plan the story that you're trying to, to write and you have an idea of what your intention is, what you want to get across, you're obviously going to write a better story, right? So same with photos. Pre-visualizing is actually the biggest game. I know they're all game changers, but I'm going to yeah. say pre-visualizing your image is a huge game changer to how they're going to look. So plan, think about it, take notes, uh, get one of uh, Valerie's beautiful journals with the quote down the bottom and uh, they're, they're empty pages, right, Val? And you can draw little pictures. I yeah. used to always uh, sketch out my drawings. It doesn't matter if all you do is stick figures, but it helps you uh, visualize uh, the image and sort it all out in your mind before you go out and actually take the shot. Yeah. All right. Good advice. Pre-visualize. All right. So next, um, you want to make sure that you're photographing things that matter to you and you shoot them in a way that is meaningful to you. And that's important because uh, often photographers photograph the things that they think are going to be popular. So, you know, I've talked about this before, but when I started out, I thought that I should be photographing fashion because that was the thing to do. And when I started doing it, it just didn't connect with me. It didn't make sense to me. It did, I didn't understand fashion at all. So I was shooting it and I was doing an okay job, but it just didn't have that energy or that life in the shot because I wasn't hundred percent into it, you know, and it's when I started doing portraits that that really uh, made a difference to how my photography looked. And it's like when I started doing my personal projects and uh, the character um, shots that I was doing, I'm attracted, not attracted to fashion models that it just like, it doesn't, it does nothing for me. And maybe right. other people love that sort of stuff. But when I see like an old, um, 
you know, aged face in a in a you know a grungy location. It makes me so happy, Val. And it's so of course I'm going to chase those shots, and they're the shots that I chase. And when I'm in that situation, I'm um, shooting stuff that I love. It's meaningful to me, and then I'm constantly working out ways how can I make this better? What's a better location to shoot in? I'm always my eyes are always set for those locations. I'm always looking for character, but I'm always following old men down the street it's kind of weird i know but that's my thing that is my thing and i could happily do that 24 7 i can get the images back and i could like lose days and days and days working on those shots so when you photograph the things that are meaningful to you you're going to naturally want to spend more time doing it and it's when it's meaningful to you then chances are it's going to mean something to someone else because you put something else that extra essence of you in that shot and that's what i think good art is all about it's sharing the things that you love or your take on the world with the rest of the world okay yep all right i get it yep so the next one for 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 portrait shooting this is a question that i get all the time it's like i'm afraid to take portraits of people because what are people going to think i get nervous oh i know i hear this all the time how Mm -hmm. how do i do it so um (laughs) You sounded mm. like you've had a few too many there, Val. Oh, <laughs> no, my God. I, I hear this all the time. No, I do. I hear it yeah, from writers do. as well. Yeah. So but what's everyone going to say if I put this out, if I if I post this photo, what's, you know, people going to think I'm up myself for sharing my work or, or if I approach someone that I genuinely want to photograph, are they going to think I'm a weirdo? Do, do old men think I'm weird when I'm a pro? I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the advice. I wish I got as a teenager, as a 20-something, as a 30-something, I wish just someone just kept drumming this into me because it's only in the last few years that I've actually worked this out that it doesn't matter what people think about you because guess what? They're not. They don't care. People are too busy thinking about themselves. So when you see that stranger on the street and you're hesitating about whether to approach them or not or whether you see that person that you want to um, photograph and you're reluctant because you think, what are they going to think of me? Uh, Don't worry because they're too busy thinking about what everyone else thinks of them. We've all got the same experience going on in our head. We've all got that same sort of uh, negative pattern going on. So don't worry about what everyone thinks. Just, you know, I've got this five-second rule. Just approach. And the worst thing that could happen is they'll say no. But they might say yes, you know. And so don't worry. Don't, don't, yes, you'll still be nervous and intimidated, but give it a go. Just say, all right, the worst thing that can happen is they'll say, no, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to hurt anyone if I ask this person, just have a go and approach. And, you know, telling someone, hi, um, I really like, you don't need to be sleazy about it. And you say it in your own words. There's no, no point using a script. It's got to come from you genuinely and sincerely. But it's like, hey, I, I really love um, your whole look. And, uh, you know, I'd love to take your photo. And They'll either say yes or no. Most people say yes. I, you know, don't get that many knockbacks. If you're enthusiastic 
and authentic in the way that you're approaching, then people are thrilled that someone else has noticed them and they're actually quite proud to have their photo taken. Yeah, absolutely. Most people are. Yeah. So um, next, Val, uh, passion, not perfection. So uh, if passion and perfection had an arm wrestle, passion would win every time. Why? Uh, yes. I think it's the thing that makes photography or any art great is the way it makes us feel. So if you're not putting your passion, if you're not putting your heart in the image, it's not going to inspire the reaction. So if you're just – hacking work out and I know when I'm hacking stuff out I go on autopilot and I can get it to just just the right level just right light it right enough but I'm not 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 there my soul's not in it you know Uh, but when I'm really passionate about a shot and it doesn't necessarily need mean that everything is um uh technically perfect because technically perfect can also be look a bit clinical so if you've got the the just the right amount of light and detail in the background, just the right amount of light and detail in your your portrait and everything is perfect, it's clinical. So I think it's the little mistakes in an image that 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 make it interesting. So it might be that the background is a bit blown out because the light is flooding in or then there might be a bit of lens flare ac- across the lens or it might be even slightly out of focus. That's what gives the image the emotion or it might be a little bit of grain that gives it the edge. But these are all the things that that add and, and give that image uh, its, its energy, its life, the soul. So, so don't be too hung up on getting every sort of image that you take pixel perfect. Just put your heart in there and, and, and capture the, the emotion of the shot rather than trying to capture the perfection of the shot. Good advice. I like that. <clears throat> All right. So this one is a big one, this next one, uh, Val, and this is uh, some, right. some great advice I got. Um, learn to peel potatoes before you cook a souffle. So learn the basics before you get onto the hard stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, when I was building my photography business, I worked in a, as a cook in a restaurant at night and uh, the chef there uh, trained us to um, – peel potatoes first and we had to peel potatoes for ages even though I'm like I want to do the souffle I want to make the filet mignon I don't want to be sitting here peeling potatoes and that is the same for a lot of photographers who and uh, even in the goal community uh, I, I have a peeling potato challenge because it's like okay I'm I'm here. I want to be a great photographer. So, all right, I, I want to do a four light portrait and I'm like no, let's go back and master the daylight portrait. And again, it's going back to learning the basics before you progress to the next level. So, you know, before the chef would make us prove that we could cut the potatoes and peel them and cut them so that they were all even and we could do that consistently before we were allowed to go to the next step, which was assembling salads, and then the next step, which was doing entrees, all the way down to that the last thing you got to do was do the souffles or the filet mignon. So it's really important that you learn and master each step before you go to the next one because if you try and do it all at once, you're not really understanding what's doing what in your image and you kind of can get an okay shot, but you're not going to be able to get an okay shot consistently. So everyone can get lucky and get that souffle to work, but can you, and this is this is this is the really important thing about being a photographer. 
if you've got all the time in the world, you can make that souffle of a photo because you've got all the time in the world and there's no pressure. But the reality is when you're, when you're taking a photo, there's all sorts of things that are going to be conspiring against you. It might be that the sun's going down or there's someone giving direction or, or you've got a difficult uh, – you might have a child that's about to have a tantrum. And so suddenly you go from having half an hour to get this shot to two minutes. And so the thing is to train your muscle memory so that you can shoot consistently and create consistent results even under extreme pressures. And I know in the industry that I work in television, they always promise you, you've got an hour to get this cover. You'll have heaps of time. And then day of the shoot, three minutes before we start, oh, there's been a slight change. So you know how we <laughs> promised you an hour? You've got three minutes. And um, yeah. just to make it a little bit harder, we're going to have – 30 people standing behind you while you shoot this yep. shot. Now, uh, under with no pressure at all, if I had all the time in the world, easy shot to get, and they're usually easy shots. But when you've got all these people watching you, you've got pressure to get the shot, you've got people speaking, and then you're trying to remember all this stuff, very easy to, to, to knock the and get the wrong aperture or not check one of the lights is working, and, and you, you generally mess it up. But if you keep doing these drills where you're peeling your potatoes, learning to assemble the salad, learning all these things and, and keep practicing when it comes time for your, you know, game day to, to make your souffle, you can do it without even under the most intense pressure. And you see that like, you know, it's finals time here in Australia yeah. and when someone's kicking for goal – that you couldn't get any more pressure than a hundred thousand people watching you on game day kicking the winning goal. But these athletes are trained to do that because all they do all week long is kick, kick for goal, kick for goal, kick for goal, and they practice and they practice and they practice. And so on game day, they 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 don't even hear the crowd and they just go back to what they learnt in their drills and they can you know they'll get the goal and they'll they'll get it consistently so same with photography they don't all get they it they don't all always but you know you get my analogy so really yes. it's so important i know everyone's in a hurry to get to the end and get to the good stuff but you know it's so important that you learn the basics before you go to the next level it'll make a huge difference awesome okay that makes complete sense. All right. Big one here, and a lot of lot of photographers don't do this because for fear of how they would look, and I have huge regrets as a, a student photographer starting out, and uh, often I've been um, – I've had mentors around me, but I haven't asked questions for the fear of looking silly if I ask a question. You know, what are they going to think of me if I ask this question? They're going to think, oh, I should know all this stuff, so I'll just pretend that I know it. So if you're having a conversation and someone's giving you advice, you just go, oh, yeah, I understand everything you've just said to me where you've got no clue. So it's important that you um, ask for help and um, and that you don't fear making mistakes because it's the mistakes that you will learn your lessons from. So just having a go, you're not going to get, you know, if you're starting to learn feel flash, you're not going to get the shot first go. It's going to be woeful. It'll be overexposed. It'll be underexposed. But then you look at that shot, you get advice. Well, 
what can I do to improve this? And it's like, well, maybe change the light modifier or maybe move the light around. And then you go, okay, I'll take that and have another go. So it's like, Mm. don't be afraid to share your work, ask for help and um, continue to build and improve. Asking for help is so important. And yeah. and also don't be afraid, just keep sharing your work and don't be afraid of, you know, putting the dud ones out there because it's they're the ones that often lead to the greatest sort of um, light bulb moments. It's like, oh, that shot, and I've got shots in, uh, that I've taken over the years that I know that the, the I can I can pinpoint the the, the time that I worked out uh, a certain lighting style based on a mistake that I made in an earlier lighting style but that was the start that had the seed of the mm. idea in it you know and just have a look at um, if you want an example of how this works just have a look at how mother nature works you know uh, th- this is best practice for artists so every day if you watch the sunsets, Mother Nature gets out there every day and she'll put out a sunset, right, and a sunrise, okay? Now, they're different every day, Val. They're different every day. So some days she will put out a sunset that you just applaud. You go, Mother Nature, that's your best work. That was fantastic. Round of applause. Well done. The next day, fizzer. The next day after that, Another really good one, not as good as the first one, but she constantly gets up every day and she goes, I'm here, I'm going to have another go. I'm going to have another go. And that's basically how art works. You get out there, you do your best work, and every now and then you're going to get a really spectacular sunset, but you've got to be consistent and keep doing it and keep improving on those. This is where personal challenges like a 30-day challenge or yep. something can work because also sometimes if you think, oh, I've got to do it every day, you're not going to do it. But if you think, I'm only going to do it for 30 days, yep. then you are more likely to do it and hopefully by then you get into a bit of a habit as well. So I do hear a lot of people having great success with 30-day challenges um, and you can just pick whatever you want. Even if the challenge is as simple as put something on Instagram every day or share something every day that gets you into the habit of creating every day because if you only you know take a photo once like really work on a a photo um once a week because you're busy at work or whatever um as opposed to once a day obviously if you do it once a day you're going to learn seven times faster than if you only do it once a week so maybe have a think about some kind of like 30-day challenge or even a 21-day challenge, if that is more manageable, to see whether that helps. Exactly. And that, that that shortening and saying it's only 30 days, I can manage that, is a really good hack to get around doing anything. So anything that you just want to get done. So often uh, a lot of uh, exercise coaches, trainers, uh, tell tell uh, people who are like not into the habit of going to for a run or going to the gym or going mm. for a walk every day, you want to get into the habit of doing that. So all you need to do is say, say to yourself, A, have everything ready to go first thing in the morning. And they even say to some people who are super reluctant to exercise, to sleep in your exercise gear. 
So just wear your track sweatpants and you. That's just uncomfortable. I know, but it's like, and then all you have to do is get out and get the door, get out the door, and then the, the trainer will say, "All I want you to do for the first week is sleep in your gym gear, and all you need to do every day is walk out the door, and that's all that's expected of you. You don't need to go for a run. And what happens is, mm. the worst part is getting out the door, and often people find that once they're out the door, they're like, "Well, I'm here now. I may as well go for a run." right? And even if you say you don't need to run two kilometers, just run for five minutes. Same with photography. Have your camera loaded, have the batteries charged and ready to go and in your bag or in the car, wherever you keep it, that you know you'll have it with you all day and just say, okay, today I need to take one photo. I will dedicate five minutes to the task. You'll find that once you're into the flow of things that you'll just, you might naturally just keep going. You might find that, oh, here's another great photo and here's another great photo. It's the thought of doing it that actually is the biggest obstacle not actually the doing. So anything you can do to help you get into that habit. And once you start, you'll find that, oh my God, where's my camera? I feel naked without it. You know what I mean? Because you're so used to doing it now that you tend to take the camera with you everywhere. I think also what can be useful is like an accountability group. If that, if that, you know, if you don't kind of, if you think it's a bit weird just posting to Instagram for no particular reason. One of the things I have is an accountability group with my art and it's actually not in the creation of the art. It's we're accountable to do one marketing activity each day to Mm. each other Mm. and you know, it forces us to do it because yeah. we feel that we're letting everyone else down if we don't share what thing we did that that day. So maybe, you know, you can self-organize an accountability group or even just one other person, just a buddy, and um, and just so to motivate each other on to do one thing every day. And I think that accountability is fantastic. So if you can find a photographer friend and just say, hey, um, every Saturday for the next uh, three months, we're going to organize a model and uh, we'll, we'll organize a light and we'll, we'll, we'll come up with a shot. So each Saturday, you know, it's up to one other person to organize what the photo is going to be and everyone helps each other out. So if, you, if you're responsible for the light and you don't turn up, you've let three other people down, of course you're going to show up. So I think that's a great idea. Mm. Okay. What else? All right. So uh, finally, Val, I think this is a big one. Uh, it's confidence. So another quote that you can put this in your uh, next lot of journals as well. I think you'll like this one. So whether you <laughs> think on. you can or you think you can't, you're right. So <laughs> what you think about what you can do, you're, you're, you're right. So basically, you can read books, do courses, listen to podcasts till the cows come home. But if you don't have that self-confidence, it's going to be difficult to take your work to the next level. So if you put in the time and know that you've done the hard work and go out and do those shots, your confidence is going to be uh, so much higher. So if you know that you've you want to learn how to light an image and you go out and you practice that and then you've got this better understanding of how your camera works and how your flash works, then it's going to be a lot easier to do that. And then when you take it to the next level and stand in front of someone else that you don't know with all that equipment, having done that work, you're confident in your ability to be able to use that equipment. You're going to be a lot better at it. So you need to do everything in your power to get rid of all that old programming that tells you you can't do it, you're not good enough, and 
do the work. And so hang around with people that are going to support you and what you do. You don't want, um, you know, friends that are telling you, what what do you want to be in photography for? That's so many photographers in the, that's how people speak. That's how negative people speak. (laughs) So many photographers in the world. It's like, you're not actually very good. Is that real camera? Because, you know, basically they're speaking through their own fear filters. So they're they're not, they don't have your best interest at heart. They're they're saying stuff to you because you bring up all their, their own issues around doing new stuff. So anything that you do is that, that threatens that you're leaving the tribe, that you're going to improve yourself or do something better. You're always going to hear those. Well, what are you doing that for? Why don't you just stay with us and drink at the pub or watch TV with me? Why do you keep doing photography? disconnect yourself for those people and find another group where you got people that go oh my god unreal yeah let's do photography this is fantastic get out improve yourself it's really important so spend time with people who value and respect what you do and get that destructive self-talk out of your head and here's a really good Thing to do with destructive self-talk because you need to realize those voices in your head is not you. That's programming that's been there for your entire lifetime. So when you hear that, oh, this isn't going to work, what's the point of going out and taking photos that the last light that you did sucked? Do you hear the voice that I'm putting on? (laughs) This is the voice I give to my negative self-talk. I give my negative self-talk. When I recognize it, I give it a stupid voice like that so that when it starts, I recognize it as, well, that's not me. That's just negative um, talk and I'll give it another voice. And learning to recognize that is also a great muscle that you want to develop. So you go, well, that's not me. That's just fear coming up and that's just my ego trying to protect me. This This is ancient stuff from the Stone Age. Uh, hangover from that, I recognize that, but that, that that's I don't need to listen to that. I'm just going to go ahead, hang out with these people who support me and go ahead and do this great stuff. So massive game changer, get your confidence under control. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. If you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd like to invite you to join my Gold Community. I love mentoring members and many achieve so much more than they think is possible. Here's what Frank Romano had to say. Your goal community is top of the class. It's world-class learning and you're so generous and you're brilliant at the way that you explain things. So if you want to be a great golfer, you've got to go and, you've got to go and pay for golf lessons. If you want to be a great musician, you've got to go and pay for music lessons. If you want to be a great photographer, well, there's a price to pay. And uh, and it's not a lot compared to what you're going to get back. I've already <laughs> I've already recouped the money that I've invested in learning. I've got that back at least ten times over by now. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah, that's just great. On, just on the work that I've done. I mean, you know, people are engaging me and, and paying me thousands of dollars to, to you know yeah. and, and shoot stuff that never would have happened if I didn't invest my money in things such as the gold membership. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. I think that brings us almost to the end of how to take better images without upgrading your gear, right, Gina? Yes, that is. What's our Aussie slang of the week? 
Okay, this is a great one. <laughs> I doubt that you've ever done this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the word is wag, and many um, of our listeners, uh, not non-Australian listeners, will recognise this word because it's used a lot in reality shows about footballers' wives. So it's wives and girlfriends, yes. uh, wag, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, if a dog's tail is moving, he's wagging his tail. But the Aussie slang for wag, it means to be absent without permission. So Dave wags school to go swimming at the beach or Gina wags school to go to to stay home and watch Days of Our Lives, which is what I often did. Did you wag school? I wagged a lot. Did you wag? Never. No. Never, never. ever. Not even once? No. No. Not once. Why would I? (laughs) Why would you? Why would I? Right, because (laughs) you never wag to go to the beach with your friends? No, why would I? No, okay. So, you know, I'm not condoning this sort of behaviour, but I'm just saying that I did it once or twice in my life. Just once or twice? That's why you're Valerie Koo and that's why who I am. That's why you've got journals with quotes down the bottom and I don't. (laughs) never wagged school (laughs) of course you didn't i like school yeah i like school too but you know sometimes you got to have fun as well but i had fun at school Mm -hmm. so did i had fun (laughs) wagging as well (laughs) oh my god all right there you go aussie slang of the week maybe you wagged school as well let us know put it in a sentence all right Yes. You can wag work as well. You're wagging work as well. You can, yeah, yeah, you can. But don't do that. No, don't do that. Um, okay, so uh, this brings us to the end of this week's episode, Gina. Where do we find you online? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and upgrade your skills without having to upgrade your gear, think about investing in education over gear and join me in the goal community. I love teaching. I love seeing my goldies fly. I love seeing what they can do. It's the best thing I've ever done. And you can find that at genomilitia.com. Just click on join the community. You, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. That's K-H-O-O. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 